second greatest city in this state, it is still up for debate. That's gorgeous. Um, just give them the warmest welcome and nestle on in for Fitz Fitzpatrick. beautiful thing. The night sky dripping constellations smeared with Milky Way is a velvet dress I dumped a package of silver shimmer powder on when I was nine. I cry over it just as much. Maybe like the universe, I too was making accidental art, crashing space rocks against each other to see the pretty colors they could carve into the nothing little nebula I could have called this precious mess. But unlike the universe, I've spent an awful lot of time clinging to perfection, meaning stay exactly the same. Hold on to this velvet skin and scrub and scrub. Mascara I am not supposed to wear dripping all over it. Stain remove the change out of this soft thing. This is how you miss the Milky Way. Perfection is just fear wearing a nice velvet dress and I sense that I am just one big mess away from creating a beautiful thing. Hello, Bellingham! That was a poem. Maybe. I don't know. You can decide. Um, uh, so my name is Fitz. I'm from Spokane. Um, I... Uh, run a little shindig called Broken Mike, which a couple of you have, were a great deal a part of. It was really funny hearing, uh, names like Kurt Olson and Tim Johnson and like, their and, and Mark Anderson. All of them are dead. I killed them all. Uh, they are my arch. <sighs> no. I murdered him. Um, I actually just promised Mark that in every city I go to, I tell people that uh, that he was dead now. <laughs> so, <it's> just, <laughs> so the legend can live on. Um, I'm on my very first tour right now, so it's really... And this is my second stop on my very first tour. Uh, my first stop was Everett, and I told them they'd be a really hard city to beat, but like this... This entire city, like, this whole town is like, fucked me up. Like, the mist, and the trees, and the train, and then, like, your poems. And then when I was walking up here, I saw a lady, like, sobbing in her car, just kind of, like, wailing. Like, she drove to a secluded place to just, like, fucking cry. And I was like, whoa. And so, I'm just 
like, this city is my feelings. Um, but also we're in a library, and so I wanted to read. Uh, I was like, so I grabbed a random book of poetry and opened it up to, like, find something and just decided I read whatever I found. Um, and I took a picture of the poem because millennial. Um, so uh, this is by uh, Kim Adonisio from her book Tell Me. And it's in the library, so you should go check it out. This is called Like That. Love me like a wrong turn on a bad road late at night with no moon and no town anywhere. And a large hungry animal moving heavily through the brush in the ditch. Love me with a blindfold over your eyes and the sound of rusty water blurting from the faucet in the kitchen, leaking down through the floorboards to hot cement. Do it without asking, without wondering or thinking anything. While the machinery shut down and the watchman slumped asleep before his small TV, showing the empty garage, the deserted hallways, while the thieves slice through the fence with steel clippers. Love me when you can't find a decent restaurant open anywhere, when you're alone in a glaring diner with two nuns arguing in the, in the back booth, when your eggs are greasy and your hash browns underdone. Snick the buttons off the front of my dress and toss them one by one into the pond where carp lurk just beneath the surface, their cold fins waving. Love me on the hood of a truck no one's driven in years, sunk to its fenders in weeds and dead sunflowers, and in the lilies, your mouth on my white throat, while turtles drag their bellies through slick mud, through the footprints of coots and ducks. Do it when no one's looking, when the riots begin, and the planes open up, when the bus leaps, leaps the curb, and the driver hits the brakes, and the pedal sinks to the floor, while someone hurls a plate against the wall and picks up another. Love me, like a freezing shot of vodka, like pure agave. Love me, when you're lonely, when we're both too tired to speak, when you don't believe in anything. Listen, there isn't anything. It doesn't matter. Lie down with me, and and close your eyes. The road curves here. I'm cranking up the radio and we're going. We won't turn back as long as you love me. As long as you keep on doing it exactly like that. I think after you hear the rest of this set, you'll understand why that was the poem the universe decided to give me. <laughs> Just be like, you cynical bastard, you need to read this. Um, uh, so uh, today I am, uh, it, it's been uh, one year, three months, and two days since I've had a drink. So, am I right? <laughs> and I'm so frustrated by that a good 60% of the time. Um, and this is called Some Kind of Sober. It's new, new shit. I didn't need the hard stuff. I lived inside the body of a 15-year-old girl once. That was a trip. Have you ever been in love in that body? It's like living inside a cracking sidewalk. What if every time you blinked, you broke concrete? What if every time you blinked, your life was over? Because you said too much, and now the boy knows, or the girl knows, or the neighbor's dog knows, and you basically spend all your time trying not to touch anyone, trying not to blink, not to lose yourself. What if your body didn't know you weren't 15 anymore? You want a drink then? Everything is urgent. Every date is prom night. 
What if you were swallowed in every pair of eyes that looked nice? What if nothing looked just nice? What if everything was either your first lead in the play or one of those dreams where your clothes disappear and everyone keeps laughing, but it's not a dream and they took your skin too and now everything good also hurts so much. What if every kiss that ended left you tasting copper? What if every time you fucked a rib broke? I'm too sober to explain why I cry so much. Do you know what I mean by take the edge off? Every death is the first, and everyone is dying all the time. Everyone leaves, and everyone stops kissing you. Everything is everything all at once, and can you see why for once I would want to be the one that does the swallowing? And then we're going to go on this, like, weird, like, breakup arc kind of rabbit hole thing. Um, because I got dumped on Valentine's Day via therapist. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so that was, like, uh, right before I was printing up this chapbook. Right before I was leaving for the Women of the World Poetry Slam and, like, going on this tour. And it was just, like, whoa. So... Wait, wait one more. <laughs> uh, Huh, so, yeah, so that, uh, yeah, that was the thing, and so there's gonna be, uh, we're gonna go on a little, like, journey here, um, and I just have to find the first poem. <laughs> just like, where I can't, I forgot how to read, um, and in between these poem, and in between these, like, little longer pieces, I'll just introduce them with shorter ones, because uh, sometimes the best introduction for poetry is just more poetry. Yeah. Um, and then don't worry, I'll bring you back up at the end. Like, it's not all, we're not just going to stay in the hole forever. But we're going to go into the hole together for a minute. Performance of Love in Five Acts. Act One. Reading a book is not about reading. It's about the way I crane my neck if I suspect someone's eyes have set on my jawline. Act Two. Eyes are another word for mirror. I keep sucking in my cheeks to show just how small I could be for you. Act three. Have I ever smiled without an audience? My teeth jump out of my mouth to bury themselves in your neck. I'm so hungry, yet I keep disappearing. Act four is whatever you want to do with the pieces. Act five. I try to clean myself up. Or maybe this time I don't. Maybe this time I litter your floor. Glass sand through the hourglass. Only a thousand little mirrors after all. Listen to the wolves. I don't know if you can ever believe someone who says forever. You can always believe someone who tells you to run. When you are waiting for her to stay, your body becomes a held breath. You will think of her skin the way you used to think of whiskey, and the feral in your eyes is a cornered animal. 
When you are waiting, you can pick two of the following emotions, hopeful, petty, and apocalypse. Remember, expecting the worst does not cushion the blow. Nothing cushions the blow. When you are waiting, become the sun. Wear your best winged eyeliner. Show her how good you look in a tank top. The heat radiating off you reminds her why she used to crave you. When you are waiting, you'll believe you have superpowers. It is better to believe you have superpowers. Just like she did. Thinking she could fix you. Don't remind yourself you did not need fixing. Remember how difficult you are to love. So she can take a few days. She can take a few days is your new religion. Remember all the ways she used to say, I am not leaving with her blue eyes doctrine. Any current evidence, Satan. So become obsessed with horoscopes. Throw out the bad tarot cards. Only pick the flowers without the love me not petals. Lay them down on her empty pillow the night her lips become someone else's drink when you are waiting. Any small kindness is a rope cast down from the cliff you hang from. Never mind your lips haven't touched in days. Pretend you don't even like kissing. In fact, when you are waiting, stop needing anything. It just makes you less attractive. Forget that someone once told you the opposite of love is indifference. This amnesia will come in handy when you ask if she wants to hold you. In fact, do not ask questions you do not want the answers to. When you are waiting, stock the house with her favorite food. Do all the bad chores. Offer to become whoever it is she is leaving you for. When you are waiting, you believe you have superpowers. That you can be pretty enough, okay enough, undamaged enough to overcome whatever she thinks shattered. The superpower is called my fault. When you are waiting, do not compare this to a previous end. Remember the she is the nice one doctrine. The tears in your gaslit eyes, Satan, when you are waiting. Do not love yourself enough to leave first. <clears throat> the importance of grief. Even when I'd go back for another hit of her, another chance at numbed out bliss, I could never forget what it was like for my body to become a hurricane, how cleansing it was to feel so much pain without her permission. Trauma. You watch your favorite glass fall off a ledge and shred into a thousand heartbreak reflections of yourself. A lump catches the scream in your throat. You don't feel anything, you just wonder why you can't move. But there's no time, you have to go to work, go see friends, do the dishes, so you sweep up the remnants quickly without precision or care. It's really okay, it's really no big deal, these things happen. You don't even think about this glass for weeks, there are far too many other things to think about. There is work, there's the rent, there's a show you must prepare for, there's a party you are throwing and everyone is invited. You must clean the house, put out the snacks, put out paper cups and paper plates so you don't have to do the dishes. You hate doing them now, you don't remember why, make some jokes, have some laughs, hold them close and everyone tells you how great you look how happy they are that you are doing so well and then go to the bathroom and trip 
for one little shard that you missed. Now there's blood everywhere. Has it always been there? You pick up that piece and you hold it and you cry for it and hate it and no one understands why you've been in the bathroom so long or why you're crying at a party and what gives you the right to bleed so much. I mean, other people had it so much worse and you don't understand why the whole floor is shimmering, why everyone you love looks like they have sharp edges, like they are made of broken glass now and how you're supposed to just keep walking. So you keep hiding. No one needs to know why you only keep plastic cups now. And if everyone loved you when you were gray, who is going to want you with all this messy color pouring from your wrists? (laughs) All right. I don't know about you, but I need a palate cleanser. (laughs) So... Uh, this is the title poem of my um, first chapbook that you read the bio out of. Uh, this is Chocolate Cake. This fucking chocolate cake. I put my fork in it. This fucking chocolate fucking moose cake. I put all the parts on my fork. The fucking fudge frosting, the fucking chocolate mousse, the fucking Oreo cookie crust on the fucking bottom of the cake. Fuck! I am a white girl in a pumpkin spice autumn colored perpetuing line of wet dream. That is how much I love this fucking chocolate cake. Fits! And you love the cake so much, why don't you marry it? Very fucking well, imaginary friend. Right now, we are in a polyamorous relationship with this cup of coffee, but I'm heavily considering a monogamous legal commitment. I'll make this chocolate cake my wife, and she'll become my legal property. And she'll wear a white dress and get it so dirty, and I'll wear a tux made out of fondant, and we will be happy for the next two to three years until she decides to become a vegan. And then I'll be like, I don't understand you anymore. We used to be so close. Then she will leave me for some asshole with dreadlocks who understands her new cruelty-free lifestyle. And I'll call her drunk at 3 a.m. And I'll tell her, you can't run from the egg whites inside you. <laughs> You'll never find anyone who loved you like I did. And I'll swear if anyone even looks like her only having meaningless one-night stands with poppy seed muffins, because they'll all tell me that they just want to be casual. And I will realize that I've never had a casual feeling in my life, which is probably how I can be so passionate about an inanimate food object. And I think to myself, my God, no wonder why I can only function when I have real feelings about real people. Do other real people feel like this all the time? But then... I'll just take another bite of this fucking chocolate cake. And I realize it's going to be okay, guys. It's going to be okay. (laughs) So... 
It was at uh, Main Market Co-op in Spokane, um, and I've been joking that I would have a piece of chocolate cake at every city on this tour, which is a terrible idea for, like, my body, because, like, gluten and dairy actually don't do well for me at all, <laughs> so, um, but uh, then uh, El- El- Elliot, who's uh, from Spokane and from Broken Mike, brought me fudge chocolate chip cookies, so that was really cute and just as good. Yes, I know. I should really make that. Um, ooh, perfect. Um, so I've been writing a lot on this tour. I have a few poems left. Um, and so I definitely decided since I'm, I'm writing all this random new shit that I should read some of my random new shit, especially at a place that's like not a slam. Um, where like people are like, yeah, yeah. People are like more into like practice, more into like me not yelling sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, this trip has been my first time really tra- like traveling by train. I think I traveled by train one time when I was 10. Um, and if you want to leave Spokane, you have to do it in the middle of the night, apparently. So, the 2 a.m. train is actually at least a 3 a.m. train. And they don't give a spiel about safety when you travel by 3 a.m. train. Train people are not like plain people. They've all seen some shit, and they don't expect peanuts or cran apple juice. We're all too tired to fear death, and there are no seatbelts anyway. For once, I don't feel lost, except everything is moving, even the sidewalk below. After not actually sleeping, I awake to the mist and mountains morning kiss out the window. The old woman next to me adjusts her Pepto-pink sweater. Her name is Virginia. She worked on a farm and likes to talk but not write, and the only thing she ever worried about was the harvest. The mountains remind her of the majesty of God. It's rude to tell an old lady you're a heathen, so I ask about the afterlife instead. Heaven starts with being welcomed into the arms of Jesus, but when she mentions hellfire, I say, uh, but wouldn't it be frozen and lonely? The opposite of warm embrace? The Bible says no. I decide then that hell is just what happens to God's love in the wrong place. It burns instead. The train is frigid. I shiver even with my hat and blanket. Virginia has never been cold. She asks about my poems. I tell her I write a lot about struggle. She says, and here I thought you were all willy-nilly. I don't think she was wrong to assume that. Then we talk about her husband. They made it 62 years before the warm embrace took him. He's a great guy, she says. Not like he is gone, but like she will see him again very soon. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe they'll have coffee at sunrise on some ethereal farm. Train people aren't cynics. Always so surprised when we get stuck behind a freight car. Every time we're delayed by another 30 minutes, someone behind us is going to a funeral. Virginia wants to donate Bibles in her dead brother's name. Trained people have been to a lot of funerals. The woman with the dead brother doesn't believe in God, but everyone believes in heaven. Everyone is certain we'll get somewhere soon. I get a cup of coffee just as the dining car closes. My taste buds burn, and I think about love and the right place. The sun finishes its climb over the mountains, and the trained people do not wait for the train to stop before lining up at the door. We all clamor and clash, and the children shake their hands to the hymn of home, sing praise be to the God of all the right places, and praise be to the sidewalk that does not move. I just got two more. Um, 
This next one I wrote because I've been thinking a lot about all of the parts of ourselves that we suppress and what happens when we suppress them. Um, and that usually when we like tamp something down a lot, it just like spurts out in like really weird, unexpected ways. Um, and like we hurt other people or we hurt ourselves. Um, so this is called Ode to My Reckless. My reckless sits across the kitchen table from my reason like a candle I am desperate to light. My waxy resolve, ready to melt, oh reckless. You are my hand too close to the stove. My sixth or seventh drink, hungry. What are you so hungry for? My parted lips on glass or parted legs on sheets. You don't ask for satiation. You are all about the wants. The beg for more, not the climax. You are never enough drugs at this party. You aren't ever satisfied. You might take me, take me, take me. You my play, play, play that I make work. You shaking frustration before my brave quits that job or takes that kiss. You my desperate. You my wander. You my wonder. I've spent a Lifetime curbing your destruction, you screaming, teething toddler, crying out for the shiny bright thing at the store. Reason, tired parent traps you in gray room, begs, sit, stay, while you beg, play. I do not want to fear you. And I failed to put you out with all these poems. I locked you up, but I left you a match. And I want everything to burn. You guys have been so fantastic. I really love small audiences of people who know what Spokane is. That's my favorite kind of audience to perform to. Um, so this has been really amazing for all of my heart parts and all of my homesickness, which there's a lot of. Um, uh, so I have uh, two chapbooks for sale back there, and I take card and cash. Um, this uh, chocolate cake and other metaphors for my feelings is $5. This is from about a year, year and a half ago. And the new one is Origin of Starboy, um, and that one is $7. Um, and yeah, and thank you all so much for this. Uh, and this is Origin of Starboy. I spend more time than I should worshiping galaxies. Sometimes I close my eyes so I can learn to drift like stardust. Like whatever small part breaks off a big asteroid when it crashes into a planet. I think that's where I came from. It's not so different than the alternative. People crash into each other amidst a soft blackness. A small piece breaks off and sometimes a universe is born. A small hope finds a big space to cling to, and despite impossible chaos, starts to grow a tiny point of infinite potential. I mean, didn't we all just start out as a big bang? I imagine my parents with bodies more celestial, like wayward stars that found an accident in each other. And this is why they named me Surprise, unexpected baby star who fought the chaos in my mother's womb and almost didn't make it out to this new world. I think all of our souls just crashed here, which is why from day one, you or I may have felt like we are stumbling. Aren't we all still mimicking our first celestial parents? Why else would we write made in God's image? And this is why a child of divorce sees a black hole where their family used to be. This is why a broken heart feels like a crater. 
a missing piece. Like I still remember when moon left earth and what some have named a monthly bleeding I have called grieving because I too know what it's like to leave a bad place just to be caught in her orbit, repeating the same cycle till the end of time, a wound always reopened. One cosmic flashback trauma starts to make sense if you write chaos into Genesis. If you replace let there be light with let there be comets. And God looks more like a billion loaded slingshots and everything crashed into everything else and we saw that it was good. Or we saw that it was bad. And the only consolation I have for the ugly I've crawled out of is the beauty that keeps tumbling after the nebula left after my explosion. The planet I can build from scraps of catastrophic failure. All this is why the solstice in winter looks holy. That amidst a cold nothing, a blizzard chaos, the warmth comes back. New life will grow. Thank you so much. Again, 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 I tell you, tell you, listen.